0: وَالَّذِينَ And also those people who... Now the second group is being mentioned. Those people who... تَبَوَّأُ الدَّارَ They were settled. Where? Addara? The home. Meaning they were already settled in the home. When these verses were revealed, which place was the home? It was the city of Medina. Right? So تَبَوَّأُ الدَّارَ Meaning the... People who lived in Medina, all right, and tabawa'u from bawa' Hamza, bawa' remember is to level and to smoothen a place, to make a place suitable for residents, and tabaw'u is to reside somewhere, inhabit a place. So those people who were settled in the home, meaning in the city of Medina. Wal and also Iman meaning they were settled in Iman. In other words, they had already adopted Islam. Min Kablihim before them. Before who? Before the Muhajirin came to Medina. Which group is this? The Ansar. But from the Ansar, which people? Those who embraced Islam at the beginning. Those who embraced Islam even before the hijrah. Remember, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was in Makkah, at the time of Hajj, in Mina, Aqaba, right? there were a group of people of Medina who were there, and the Prophet ﷺ met them, did da'wah to them, they embraced Islam. There were just a few of them. The following year, what happened? More people came from Medina who had also embraced Islam. And then they gave Bayar to the Prophet ﷺ. And then they officially invited the Prophet ﷺ for hijrah to Medina. Correct? So these people embraced Islam. And then even before the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, remember he had sent Musab ibn anhu and some other companions, right? And then they did da'wah in Medina. So there were people in Medina who embraced Islam very early. They are being mentioned here. From the Ansar. And the beautiful thing about these people, about the Ansar, Allah says, is that Yuhibuna they love. Who do they love? Man, those who Hajarah immigrated to them. They love those people who have migrated to their lands. They love the immigrants. I want you to think about today when I say they love the immigrants. They love the immigrant population. Who is saying this? Allah is saying this. "Yuhibbuna." And man أَصْدَقُ min Allah qila. Who can be more truthful than Allah in statement? The Ansar loved the Muhajireen. And this is a big deal. Because at that time, yes, people were not nationalistic, but they were very tribalistic. Very racist. If you belong to my tribe, I love you. You don't belong to my tribe, you have no worth. I could kill you. You understand the dynamic over here? Very different. So here the Ansar from a different tribe are embracing the Muhajirin who are from who? From different tribes. Remember the Muhajirun were not all Qurayshi. They were not all from the tribe of Quraysh. They were from different tribes. In fact, different cities. Abu anhu was not from Makkah. And he immigrated to Medina. Correct? So the Ansar loved the Muhajireen, whoever those Muhajireen were. But typically, do people like immigrants? No. Because when immigrants come, what do they bring? Pardon? Okay, what kind of problems? First of all, there is now greater competition in terms of employment, right? Jobs, education, and then government expenses, right? So people have a problem with that. That as we take in more people, that means we will be deprived. And that is true. When there's only a few people, yes, you can enjoy everything that you have. But when you have to share with others, what does it mean? You're going to enjoy less compared to what you were enjoying before. And the immigrants, they may have been very wealthy back home, but here, they are in need of your financial aid. Isn't it? And then, not just that, because they come from a different land, they have different skills. They may have been great skilled workers back home, but here, because they don't understand the language, they don't understand the system. Everything is so strange. The weather is so weird. Life is so different. It takes time to adjust. Remember that when the Muslims migrated from Mecca to Medina, they fell ill. They felt so ill. Bilal anhu. He was so sick. We learn in Hadith that Aisha anha went to visit him. And this is something that we don't think about. Bilal anhu was Bilal. He was an amazing companion, and the wife of the Prophet ﷺ is going to visit him because Bilal is so sick. And when she went, Bilal radluhu was remembering the springs of Makkah. That if only I could drink from that spring and that spring and that spring. Bilal radluhu anhu was the one who was tortured in the valleys of Makkah, and he's missing Makkah. Because home is home. Your local food is your local food. You know, just the other day somebody was telling me that the bananas over here, you know, they're big and they look very beautiful, but back home, the bananas are smaller, but they're much sweeter, and they're just more delicious, so you have them with your food. Right? So, this is true. Whatever you're used to is what you're used to. So, when the immigrants come into a particular nation, yes, it takes them time to adjust. And the original, or the people who are, living there already, they have to sacrifice a great deal. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is praising the Ansar that إليهم, they love those who have immigrated to them. And this is something that we all need to think about here. That we are also living in a country where a lot of immigrants are coming in. And these immigrants are who? People who have been oppressed in their homelands. And they share the same faith as us. So we should be really going out of our way to help them. Because look at what the Ansar did. How did they help the Muhajirin? How? They took them into their homes. They shared their properties with them. They shared their work with them. They shared their profits with them. Their income with them. They did. They didn't just say, Oh, here are my old clothes. Here are my old clothes. You know, the old-fashioned Abaya and the old-fashioned the old jacket, you know, stuff that I don't need and the shoes that are worn and torn. Here, you can have them because, you know, you're really poor. You might as well enjoy this because you have nothing. No. They welcome them into their own homes. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises them. You see the Ansar, Anas radiallahu anhu was asked that the name Ansar, who gave this name? Did you call yourselves Ansar? Did you come up with this title for yourselves? Where did this term Ansar come from? And he said, Allah called us by this name. Allah called the Ansar by this noble title. Helpers. Those who helped others. They loved the immigrants. How? They shared their properties. Abu Huraira said, that the Ansar said to the Prophet ﷺ that distribute our date palms between us. So one of the Ansar would come and he would say, these are all my date palms, right, over here. So me and my brother, the Muhajir brother, divide these date palms between us. Meaning you be the judge. You divide them. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, no. I'm not going to do that. Rather, what's going to happen is that all of you work together in the fields, in the orchards, and then share the income. Share the income. And then remember later what happened after Khaybar is that the properties of the Ansar were returned. Meaning the income was also returned to them. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the Ansar. Because these words are what? They're praising the Ansar. And the Prophet wasallam. Also loved the Ansar, because you see, when you give love, you receive love. They gave love and they received Allah's love and the love of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu The Prophet he said, "Listen, O people, listen, O people. Inna nasa dithari wal Ansara shiari." He said, "The example of people." Meaning of the ummah, of the nation, is like they are my garment, meaning they are very close to me. But the ansar, they are like my shi'ari, like my inner garment, meaning they're closer to me. He said, if people were to go upon a valley and the ansar went a different way, I would go with the ansar. If there was no hijrah, I would be of the ansar. He also said that none will love the Ansar except the believer. And none will hate them except the hypocrite. So whoever loves them, Allah will love him. And whoever hates them, Allah will hate him. So part of our Iman is to also love the Ansar. Because they set such a beautiful example for us where the muhajirin were a beautiful example, the ansar are also a beautiful example because it's very difficult to part with your own things. You see, the Muhajirin, their sacrifice was giving up everything, losing it. For the ansar, it was giving up their things how? Willingly. Willingly to who? To someone else in front of them. This was also a form of great sacrifice. Once an ansari woman, she went to the Prophet ﷺ with her son. And she spoke to him about something. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he was talking to them, he said, By him in whose hand is my life, you are the most beloved people to me. Meaning, you Ansar, I just love you guys. And he said this multiple times. And he's saying this to who? A mother and a son. From the Ansar. He said this to them multiple times. By He in whose hand is my life. Meaning by Allah who controls my life. I take an oath by Him. I love you people. The Prophet ﷺ loved them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved them. Why? Because they showed love to who? To Allah's servants. Remember the hadith? Show mercy to those on the earth and the one in the heavens will show mercy to you. Show love to Allah's servants and Allah will show love to you. Allah will love you. Yuhibbuna man hajra ilayhim. And then, وَلَا يَجِدُونَ This is so great. وَلَا يَجِدُونَ And they do not find, meaning the Ansar do not find, في صُدُورِهِم in their chests, meaning in their hearts, hajatan. Any need. Haja. Haja is basically a need, such a need that you just have to fulfill. You know, for example, if you are in the middle of a meeting, all right, an important meeting, an important discussion, and your phone is buzzing, 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 you know that this is something very important. A very close family member is calling, not just once, but multiple times. Then you just have to get up and go take the phone call. Don't you? It's a hajjah that you have to fulfill. This is haja. Think about it this way. When you have to use the bathroom, that's a haja. All right? you will even leave your exam. Isn't it? You will go in the middle of your exam. Why do they make that exception? Because it's a haja that you just have to fulfill. So Allah says, the ansar do not find in their hearts any need, meaning any desire, for what? Mimma utu, From that which they were given. Who was given? The muhajireen are given. Meaning anytime the muhajireen are given something, the ansar, they don't covet it, they don't desire it. Meaning they're not selfish, they're happy for their brothers, they're happy for their sisters. And there's something that we need to think about also. If somebody is given something that we are not given, a privilege, a position, money, or whatever it is, praise, whatever it may be, something tangible or intangible, how do we feel? typically a little jealous, a little upset, a little, you know, we feel that we have been deprived. But the Ansar feel no jealousy, not even a little bit. If anywhere, the Muhajireen are given something, they're given preference over them. They don't feel it at all. What beautiful hearts they had. There is a narration in which we learned that once the Prophet ﷺ called the Ansar, there was a certain property and he intended to distribute that amongst certain Ansar. This hadith is in Bukhari. And when he called them and he said, let's do this, they said, no, unless you give to our muhajireen brothers also. We're not going to take it unless and until there is a share for the muhajireen. This is like, you know, when Musa alayhi salam, he was given prophethood and he said, My brother, <laughs> the ansar, they're being given property. And what do they say? Muhajireen, please. This is what they wanted. La yajiduna fi sudurim hajatan, mima uutu. On top of that, Allah says, وَيُؤْثِرُونَ. And they also prefer, they give preference. Athara is to give preference to someone. So they give preference to who? To the muhajirin. Over who? Over themselves. and <inaudible> Fusihim. They give preference to the muhajirin over themselves. The ansar prefer the muhajirin over themselves. When? Why? Because they have a lot? Allah says, وَلَوْ كَانَ bihim خَصَاصًا Even if they themselves were in extreme need and destitution. When they are needy themselves, they prefer the muhajireen over themselves. The word khasasa is from khasad, sad. And it's used for poverty. Basically khusasa, khusasa with a dhamma on the kha is used for qaleel, meaning when something is little. It's not a lot. All right. And so khasasa is poverty, because poverty is what? When you have little, you don't have a lot. And basically khassasa is extreme need, extreme poverty. Meaning when a person doesn't have enough, that he's hungry. So it is to reach the state of hunger due to destitution, due to poverty. So, وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ khasasa. <خَصاصة> Even if they're hungry, they will give food to who? To the muhajirin first. How could they do that? They had the best clean hearts. And Allah says, "Woman, يُوقَ شُحَ Whoever is saved from the shuh of his nafs, from the greed the, and the stinginess of his nafs. What is shuh? Extreme greed? I want, I want. And extreme stinginess. Mine, mine. When a person is just concerned about who? Themselves. Greedy? That they never feel they have enough. And stingy, they cannot give anything. Whoever is saved from the shuh of his nafs, which means that every person has a level of shuh. And there is always that voice inside of you telling you, don't give it, what about you? Isn't it? And you have to tell yourself, quiet, don't worry about it. Allah will take care of me. Isn't it? Whenever you're giving sadaqah, whenever you're giving something away, whatever it may be, You know, there's some hesitation sometimes, some level of hesitation. What about you? What if you need it? It is those who are successful because it is only such people who can give in the way of Allah. These were the Ansar. What are their qualities over here? Look at the ayah and tell me their qualities. Firstly, firstly, they had iman. They had Iman in their hearts. Secondly, يُحِبُّونَ مَنْ إِلَيْهِمْ They love the immigrants. Thirdly, لَا يَجِدُونَ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ حَاجَةً مِمَّا They don't feel any jealousy in their hearts for the preference or the superiority or the favors that others are given. They're happy for others, genuinely happy for others. And then, you see, many times we will help others as long as we are good. But the moment we feel even a little bit deprived, then who do we think of first? Ourselves. But the fact is that no matter how needy we are, there is always someone who is more needy than us. So these are people who are saved from the shuh of their hearts. اللَّهُمَّ جَعَلْنَا minhum. We learn that the Prophet ﷺ also, what is it that he taught us? Prefer others. Think about others. Stop worrying about yourself only. And you see, our vision is such that we can either limit it to just our needs, we can either focus just on ourselves, or we can expand our vision. If we keep worrying about ourselves, the thing is the fact is that you can never you can never fulfill every need of yours there will always be something that you need to work on is it is there any time when you can say i'm done you know 100% done whatever i had to do now i have time for others can we ever say that no so what we need to do is look not just at ourselves but look at others also What do they need? How can I help others? This doesn't mean that you deprive yourself completely and ignore your needs. No, you do that. But in addition to it, you need to worry about others too. And when you worry about others and you help them to the extent that you can, then who will take care of you? Allah will take care of you. Because you know what? We keep money with ourselves. We keep our time for ourselves thinking that we need it. But no matter what we have is not sufficient to fulfill our needs because we're not in control. We're not in control. We can only accomplish something if Allah gives a tawfiq. Go
1: ahead. There's a hadith of the Prophet where he said, In Nallafi'un Indeed, the help of Allah is when the servant helps his brother. So there is this illustration of a man.
0: So the hadith is that Allah is in the help of his servant, meaning he aids his servant as long as the servant is aiding his brother. Yes. yes. So
1: there is an illustration of this. A man held out, it was raining, and he held out an umbrella for a person. And then he didn't have an umbrella over him, but he had like a cloud over him. So subhanAllah, like, even though he didn't have an umbrella himself, he was still protected from the rain. Also, in another hadith, the Prophet said, for the person who makes his desire the Akhirah, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will gather for him his affairs yes. and take care of him. Whereas the other person, their affairs will be scattered and they won't be able to... like Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will make their hands full with work to do The They'll never be able to accomplish much so... A lot of the times when we think, I don't have enough time to do this or that or help that person, you, by taking the time out, Allah
0: will gather your fears. Very true. Let me give you a small example. You clean your room, right? You do? I hope so. Okay. So when you're done cleaning your room, how do you feel? Do you feel tired? I guess your room never gets messy. Yeah? I feel tired. I feel exhausted. Right? And then there's this level of frustration also. Why do I have so many things? Right? And then, what was I thinking? Why do I have to be messy all the time? So, when you work on just your own things, yes, after accomplishing them, you feel somewhat satisfied, but there's also a level of frustration and fatigue. Right? But when you help somebody else clean their room, then how do you feel when you go back? Happy. Isn't it? You feel happy because you helped someone. You gave your time to someone. You made things easy for them. So here we see that the Prophet ﷺ, the Ansar, they preferred others over themselves. And look at how Allah subhanahu wa Taala is advocating for them. The Prophet ﷺ also set this example for us that give preference to others over yourself. Once there was uh, you know, a woman who, I mentioned the story to you before also, a woman who uh, came to the Prophet ﷺ and said that, I have made this shawl for you myself, so please wear it. And he put it on. And a man saw the Prophet ﷺ wearing that garment, and he said, this is so beautiful, please give it to me. He asked for it, please give it to me. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he said, okay. He agreed to give it to him. When he went home, he changed and he sent that shawl to that man. And so people reprimanded him that why did you do that when you knew that the Prophet ﷺ was in need of it? Why did you ask him? And you know that he will never say no. Why did you ask him? So He said, I just asked for it because I wanted it to be my coffin. That's the reason why I asked for it. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was in need of that shawl. But he gave it away because somebody asked for it. Somebody liked it. يؤثرون على أنفسهم ولو كان بهم خصاصة. And you see when you're hungry. The story of Abu Talha رضي الله regarding which in Bukhari we learned that the reason why this particular part of the ayah was revealed was because of what Abu Talha رضي الله did. That once some people came to the Prophet ﷺ, it's man he was really hungry, and the Prophet ﷺ sent word to his wives that if there's any food please send it, and nobody had any food. Descend, so the Prophet ﷺ asked the companions that is there anyone who would host this man as a guest in his house? So Abu Talha anhu he came forward, he said, Yes, I will. So he took him home. When he went home, he asked his wife, Umm Sulaim the mother of Anas, anhu, that so Um Sulaim she he asked her, Is there any food? She said, Nope, just enough for the children. That's it. So what happened? Abu Talha said that, put the kids to bed, hungry. Put the kids to bed, hungry. I don't know if you've ever done that as a mother. It's very painful. I don't know how she did it. She put her kids to bed, hungry, and turned the lamp off. It was night, it was dark. And pretend that you're eating. We will pretend that we're eating and we will serve the food to the guest. And that's what they did. So the family of Abu Talha went to sleep, how? Hungry. And Abu Talha, رضي الله عنه, who was he? You know, when I was reading this hadith this morning, I was like, Abu Talha was supposed to be a rich man. He's from the Ansar. Remember, he wanted to marry Um Sulaim, And Um Sulaim said that you are not a Muslim, and I'm a Muslim woman. Right, and Abu Talha's proposal nobody would refuse because he was a wealthy man so he embraced Islam and his Islam his conversion was the mahr that Umm Sulaim agreed upon Abu Talha was a rich man where did his money go to the point that they only had enough food to serve their children that's it you see how the Ansar also suffered from poverty because they had to share so much And even when they had a little bit left, what happened? Even that, he had to share. Another test came. But then look at this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling His Messenger that the Ansar must have a share in this fate. What does it mean then? That there will be a time when you have to sacrifice in the way of Allah. You have to sacrifice a great deal in the way of Allah to the point that you're suffering from poverty. To the point that you don't have enough to fulfill your needs. Or you have very little. But Allah will not deprive you. He will give you. And look at how Allah gave to these companions. He gave to the Ansar. Because they were sadiqoon. They were truthful. They sacrificed a great deal. And this we learn from the example of who? Ibrahim salam. Did he have to sacrifice his family? Give them up basically? Because they threw him in the fire and then his father said, if you don't stop i'm going to personally stone you to death didn't he have to do that and then what happened was he deprived of family completely no allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him a nation inna Ibrahim kana umma ibrahim salam was tested the day of sacrifice is coming he was tested will you give up your son did he he was willing and he even tried But then what happened? Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deprive him? No. He gave him something else. Rather, he saved his son. So, وَمَن يُقَشُحَ نَفْسِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ This is the test. This is the real test. Are you going to become selfish and greedy and concerned only about yourself? Or will you prefer Allah and His servants over yourself? And you can only do that if you're saved from your own shuh. And if you're saved, you're successful. ja'u, And those people who came, مِنْ After them. After who? After the muhajireen and the ansar. Because you see over here, from the muhajirin and the ansar also, who was mentioned? The sabiqoon. The forerunners. Those who immigrated first. From the ansar also, those who embraced Islam first. Right? So Walla Ja'umbardihim, those who came after them, meaning those who immigrated later on, or those who from the inhabitants of Medina embraced Islam later on. Alright? So this is referring to either those amongst the Sahaba who embraced Islam later. Those amongst the Sahaba who embraced Islam later. Alright? Remember there were people who embraced Islam in the first year of the Hijrah, then there were people who embraced Islam in the ninth year of Hijra. Right? They came after them think about Amr bin al-As anhu when he embraced Islam this was after the treaty of Hudaybiyyah, right or just before that i cannot remember but he embraced Islam around that time all right so Amr bin al-As anhu he was with the prophet sallallahu he gave him so much attention that Amr anhu he thought the prophet sallallahu loved him a lot he thought he was the most important person near the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he asked him that ya rasulullah which person is your favorite person. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Aisha, can you imagine a man saying to another man, I love my wife. Like that's that's amazing. Anyway, he said, Aisha and Umar bin al Asi he's like, no, no, I mean for among the men. He said, her father. He said, okay, wh- who's next? Who else do you love the most? And he said, Umar, who else? you know he asked this question a number of times and Umar bin al then when he finally gave up he's like you know what I don't think I should continue asking because I don't know where my name is in the list right so anyway there were people who embraced Islam early on and there were people who embraced Islam later on so Allah says over here that the Fayy is also for who those who came after the later generations of the Sahaba or from amongst the Sahaba who embraced Islam later. Secondly, this can also refer to the generations after Sahaba. Alright, after the Sahaba. So who is that generation? The tabi'un, the people who saw the Sahaba or those who came after them, the people who saw the people who saw the Sahaba. And this is until the Day of Judgment. Alright, so there's also a share for those who came after them, meaning believed later, migrated later, helped the cause of Allah later, meaning until the day of judgment. يقولون, they say Fidlana, O oh, our Lord forgive us. Wali and also forgive our brothers. Which brothers? sabaquna bil iman. Those who preceded us in faith, those who beat us in this matter. Those who embraced Islam before us, we embraced Islam later. Or they got to see the Prophet ﷺ and we didn't get to see him. You understand? So the later generations of the believers, they pray for who? For the earlier generations of the believers. And this is something that we need to think about. Do I love the Sahaba? Do I love the Tabi'un? Do I love the earlier generations of the Muslims? The Muslims who came before الَّذِينَ bil Iman And sometimes within a group of people also, who are working together for a noble cause, you know, there are those who came first, and there are those who came later, who joined later. So those who joined later, they make dua for those who came before them. Generally what happens? Typically, there are feelings of jealousy. Why did she come first? I wish I could have been there. There is no jealousy over here. There is love for believers. And O oh Allah, do not make in our hearts any hidden resentment, any hidden enmity. This is غِلَّ. غِلَّ is enmity, hatred, bad feelings. You know that a person conceals in his heart, he keeps in his heart, and it's called غِلَّ because غِلَّ are used for fetters, for locks. Because such hatred, what does it do? it shackles you, meaning it prevents you from doing good. Hidden enmity or ill feelings for another person hurt you before they hurt others. Because such feelings will prevent you from doing good. They will lock you. They will prevent you. They will make good inaccessible to you. Think about it. Have you ever been deprived of saying, of earning the reward of saying salam to someone because you don't like them? Doesn't it happen? There's a person we got into an argument with or there's something that happened we just don't like them and we see them, We're we're in the same room, but we don't have the tawfiq to even say salam to them. We don't have the tawfiq to even give a smile to them. You see what the ghil did? It prevented us. It hurt us. So they pray that, Oh Allah, do not allow any ghil to be there in our hearts. For who? Lilladina amanu. For those who believe. And this is for all believers. Generally when we think about believers, we think about sahaba. Oh, I love the sahaba. Or we think about the tabi'un. Or we think about the great scholars of the past or the great knowledgeable people that we know of, right? who are living today, we love them. But you know what? Even the person who's praying next to you in the masjid, or people in your own household, in your family, if they say they're Muslim, we're supposed to treat them as a Muslim. We're not supposed to have any hatred for them in our hearts. We shouldn't, to the best of our ability. This is a test. Love someone because of their faith. You see, we could have any disagreement with them, difference with them. Whatever happened, happened. But as a Muslim, they have a right upon us. As a Muslim, they deserve good treatment from us for their Islam, for their Iman. And this is our test. That will we look past our differences? Will we look beyond our disagreements and appreciate? somebody value them and treat them well and honourably because of their faith. Walla Kulubina Amanu rahim. O our Lord, indeed you are kind and merciful and this is a du'a that we must make regularly because which of us can claim that my heart is clean? We can't. And you see, the more you deal with people, the more such feelings creep in. Go ahead. I remember this uh, woman always, whenever I just, I try to avoid her. Whenever I, fee- I see her, she give me attitude. So every time I just, I say, hasbi allahu wa ni'mal wakil, and then I read this dua all the time. I really don't want with her any problem. Subhanallah, after maybe a few months, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed her heart. Allah changed my heart. We feel like we're close to each other. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. You see, this is something very natural. When you're living with people, when you're working with people, you will have disagreements with them. And it's, it's actually good. Because if everybody agrees, then you're not going to grow. Right? You're, you're going to be limited. So it's good to have differences. It makes you creative. It makes you work towards solutions and improvement. But many times we get caught up in those differences. And we just hold grudges against one another. And these grudges, they cripple us. They hurt us. So it's necessary to make this dua that, Oh Allah, clean my heart. Because if the heart is not clean, life will become very difficult. Very, very difficult. So here, this dua is very helpful. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. All right, everybody stand up please. Stretch.
2: والذين the الدار والإيمان من قبلهم يحبون من هاجر إليهم يحبون من هاجر إليهم ولا يجدون في صدورهم حاجة مما أوتوا ويؤثرون على وسيهم ولهو كان بهم خصاصه ومن نفسه فاولائك هم المفلحون والذين نجا بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غل للذين آمنوا ربنا رَبَّنَا
0: Think of a person in your life who when you look at them you feel uneasy. And so you want to pretend like you didn't see them and you just you're hoping that you don't encounter them, and you're just hoping that they don't say something that's going to annoy you, that's going to hurt you, that's going to bother you. And just seeing them brings you flashbacks of the most painful memories that you have. That person. Maybe there is more than one person. Whoever that is, make dua. Oh Allah, make room for this person in my heart. Make my heart so vast so big, so spacious that I can accommodate them. I can also look at them in the eye. I can also say salam to them. I can also smile at them. I can have a conversation with them. Give me that vast heart. That is what we need. You see, shuh is what? Tightness. Me, me, me. They hurt me. She hurt me. He hurt me. And this is the opposite behavior. That you have so much room in your heart and this can only come from Allah. This is Allah's favor to a servant. That you have space in your heart for someone. That you can overlook their faults. Because the thing is that no one is free of faults. No person. There is nobody who is not guilty. Everyone is guilty of one thing or another. But we need to have that spaciousness in our heart, that vastness in our heart that we can overlook other people's mistakes and still treat them well and with honor because of the fact that they're believers.